Welcome back to another episode of Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation hey, um, concerning Marvel films and TV me on shows. Anything, I Today on Twitter. the panel, we Save for a tweet Adam. I made this morning, um, but I'm Twitter free now, so you can't follow me. I'm sorry. And Rhiannon. Hey, uh, you can follow me on the Twitter at Shada Patron for now. I might change it uh, if that has disappeared. Now I'm going to try Brooklyn MND. So if you can't find me as Shada Patron, maybe I switched over to Brooklyn MND for Marvel News Desk. What do you guys think of that one? That's super cool. I'm Caleb. I'm at Caleb A. Borchers, and I am legitimately shocked that I'm on Twitter longer than Adam is. So that is Man, quite Twitter is a disease. Twitter is the worst. I installed it again to make that tweet, and then I'm like, nah, this is done. So I deleted it again. It was like the most productive week in my professional life I've ever had. Being Twitterless for a week? I know. That sounds awful. Right. <laughs> well, it kind of made me sick. Who like wants I've to been be feeling productive? queasy all day. So no, maybe who wants that to be productive? Like, what you say? Or something? <laughs> I think. I don't know. Yeah, working too hard. I have never uttered that phrase in my life. Yeah, maybe you're working too hard. We want to encourage you guys to subscribe to us on YouTube. Go over there to watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. Uh, also check out the second podcast in our Marvel News Desk family. That's AP Marvel. Uh, this week, I think uh, Chris is talking about his New York Comic Con experience, and he has some interviews from Runaways as well. Uh, that'll be different uh, clips than we had because he was at a different table than we were. So uh, definitely go check their stuff out uh, over there. And uh, I'll have to apologize. If you hear any buzzing in my audio, it's because it's 80 degrees in October. Like, if this global warming stuff is going to take the fall away from me, I'm going to get real ticked off. It's like snowing here today. Is it really? I wish it was. It's not here. I mean, in Fargo, it's snowing, but that's like 10 hours away. It's like 30 degrees out, though. We were at the Boston Museum of Science once, and they said that we were going to lose all the maple trees in New England because of global warming. And, like, the fact that the planet might be destroyed doesn't seem to bother me, but if I'm losing my maple trees and my nice crisp fall evenings... I'm going to have some problems. So stop using fossil fuels, people. Do they, uh, maple trees out there turn like red, right? Yes. Because my neighbor has a maple tree and it's like a gorgeous red. I'm not sure why I'm so attracted to red. Like red's my favorite color. So I don't know. I'm like, oh, that's a beautiful tree. I wish I had that tree in my yard. Oh, I, I don't know. I mean, the colors are brilliant of all the different trees, so apparently maples turn red, according to Rhiannon. Deep thoughts with Adam. Deep thoughts I know, with Adam deep Barnhart. thoughts. Instead, I have a walnut tree. <laughs> it's like I Jack missed you Andy. guys. We, <laughs> I missed you too, Adam. I was just thinking about how much is it. I, you thought you I wanted mean, a week off, but really you didn't. I was lost. Like, I would just sat at my computer desk in front of my microphone last Aww. Wednesday night. I'm like, wait, this isn't so right. Sad. So I just did a podcast with myself. We should release that uh, as a, our Christmas episode. It's just me talking for three straight hours. I have thought about, like, what would we do one week if you guys weren't available and I couldn't find anybody else? Like, should we just record me by myself? And, like, I don't know. I think I would start to Venom talk to myself, you know? Like, oh, Caleb, what do you think about this news? I think we should eat it. You know, I don't know, like... I'm sorry, I've got Venom on the brain. I assume neither of you have seen Venom thus far? No, and that impression you just did makes me definitely not want to watch it. If it's anything close to that. Which I have a feeling it actually might be. 
being Venom Cookie Monster. Venom Cookie Monster. I... Oh, I noticed, uh, Caleb, you picked up a new character on last week's pod. And you, like, car- yeah, you, like, carried the voice for, like, oh, an entire bit. I'm like, holy cow, he's actually going balls deep with this character. I can't remember, I can't remember, but she did the voice for, like, a whole paragraph. And I'm like, wow, he did it. What was I it? I can't remember what it was. You'll have to re-listen to it. Uh, all right. <laughs> this has been the worst preamble in the history of this show. So, uh, we got news today that Disney and Fox, uh, that their merger should clear about January 1st. Uh, this was one of the head execs at Fox talking to his people about the changes that were coming. Um, I feel like we've talked about this a lot, but this is kind of the firmest date we've gotten. Um, if this is right, if it's definitely happening on January 1st, does this uh, increase in your mind the likelihood that we get a Fox post credit of some kind in uh, one of the movies for Marvel, like Avengers uh, 4? For sure. For sure. I mean, that leaves us, what, four full months? I mean, it's getting pushed up to April, right? Probably like what Infinity War did? Or is that just a presumption right now? Uh, no, it was based on something that IMAX said about their quarterly, you know, anticipated whatevers. Um, maybe. I mean, they just got to go to a soundstage somewhere, right, and film something. I mean, they don't have to have a cast together or anything like that. But if the deal closes on January 1, there's got to be, like, a, a name drop or a mention or some wacky, wacky post credit scene. Yeah, I mean... I. I said a couple weeks ago, like Avengers four, a lot of people we're talking about it nostalgically about how it kind of wraps things up, but it does have to launch them forward as well. And Fox, I would think has to be a big part. I mean, the fantastic four X-Men stuff is part of where they're launching in the future. So it would seem a huge wasted opportunity to not throw something in there. I mean, how do you not like, how do you have the rights to it? And not at least like name drop mutants, you know? I mean, I, I'm more like, is there going to be a press conference? Like, how long can they start planning stuff now? Now that it's all okayed, or do they still have to wait until January one for Feige to officially discuss whatever's going on? Like, or are they past that point? Because now they're able to talk about reorganizing of executives, and you know, there's there's stuff happening at Fox with the with preparations of splitting up the company and all of that so like can they plan ahead like can there be a new year's day press conference of feige just taking a microphone and dropping it on everybody or do we wait i mean do we have to wait for some after credit scene yeah i mean we're just in such we're just in such weird territory because they have chronically avoided telling us anything about any movies if they can. I mean, it's just, it's bizarre. I mean, we've talked about it. My theory is that we're going to get something of, of importance at the Brazilian Comic-Con as they try to go kind of international. But, um, I mean, I don't know. I guess they could technically wait till D23 if they really wanted to, but that seems like so long away. I mean, they're going to have to start filming some movies before then. So So speaking of that merger, I have it here just because it kind of goes along with it. Uh, There was an update from Drew Goddard about X-Force this week. And he basically said everybody involved is a little busy right now. So it will be a bit until they get to it. 
Um, so if this happens on January 1st, it means X-Force will not start filming until after the merger. Uh, if you're Kevin Feige, do you still make this X-Force movie as is, or do you scrap it? it? I would also, uh, I, I know this isn't part of the question, but I'd also scrap Dark Phoenix. Especially now that it's been delayed. I think he might go on with X-Force. I don't know. I don't know, man. I can't wait until we just know something. I, I feel like you let X-Force go. You make it. And my opinion, I could be wrong, is I don't think it'll do as well as Deadpool 2. I think the Deadpool train is slowing down. Uh, Deadpool 2 certainly did a little worse than Deadpool did. And then you give yourself an excuse to to start it over. You know, like, if right now Disney said, oh, we're going to scrap what we've got and we're going to start over... Um, I think fans would be uproarious about it, but if you make X-Force and it makes a hundred million less than Deadpool 2, you can then say, hey, we're getting diminishing returns, it's time for a reboot, and people accept it more. I see that, but I mean, is the first X-related property in the MCU going to, I mean, is there even any sort of question that it's going to be a box office flop? I mean, isn't it just going to be straight cash? Well, I think Dark Phoenix is going to be a flop. <laughs> that's going to come out on, under Disney's okay. distribution. But that that's that's different, though, right? I mean, that movie's essentially already in the can, kind of, sort of. Not really. Smell what I'm stepping in, though? Or nah? Yeah, I hear you. All right, uh, next thing I've got, uh, this is a little bit older news, but there were things that we missed last week because of Comic-Con. So Chris Evans... Uh, sent out this tweet recently, and uh, we we didn't talk about it last week, so I thought we should get your response this week. Uh, Evans tweets, officially wrapped on Avengers 4, it was an emotional day to say the least. Playing the role over the last eight years has been an honor. To everyone in front of the camera, behind the camera, and in the audience, thank you for the memories. Eternally grateful. So I think we all saw this and said, oh, Cap's gonna die. I mean, is that the way uh, you felt reading that tweet, Rhiannon? Yeah, I mean, Cap has to die. I mean, I don't think... Has there ever been doubt that Cap would die? I think we didn't know. I mean, I'm still not confident that Tony Stark's gonna die in this next one. I think that he might, but I also think they might find some way to let him, like, ride off into the sunset and then bring him back every once in a while if they need to. Yeah, but if one person dies, it's Cap. Right, it's got to. I mean, how how pissed are you if you're Marvel Studios? How pissed are you that Evans does something like this? You know, it's like why? Oh, he had permission. But why why do it? I mean, it's 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 clear exactly he what's going to happen. I mean, why? They've been very open about it, which is the only thing that makes me doubt that he's going to die. Because like there was all that news about him extending his contract for one more movie and just one more and just one more movie to be in Avengers four. And you know, now this, I, th- I almost feel like they're wanting it to seem like he's most certainly going to die so that they can surprise us with something. Yeah. I, I think that Chris Evans is a unique issue because, um, you know, he's come around, but there was a period there kind of in the middle of his Avengers time where Evans made clear that he kind of was tired of doing it and he wanted to go direct and he wanted to do some other things. And then he kind of changed his tune and said, no, I like this. I'm willing to do it some more. But, you know, Robert Downey Jr., it seems like we'll do this forever as long as the money keeps coming. 
and Chris Hemsworth doesn't seem too excited to leave either. But Evans, as an actor, you know, in the news cycle, has been much more open about not wanting to do this until he's 60. And so I feel like that makes it a slightly different case as well. I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't want Drax to be the only one that dies in Avengers 4, I guess. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that That's probably coming. This was not in my news, but if you did not see, James Gunn looks like he finally got a new job directing Suicide Squad 2, and Dave Bautista immediately said, I'm in, sign me up. So, Which, have we ever confirmed if there is or is not um, compete clauses in these Marvel contracts? I mean, we've seen Josh Brolin do X-Men at the same time he's done Thanos. I mean, once that Bautista inevitably gets fired, you know, I don't think they could probably stop that the the other big piece of news was that i mean warner brothers did confirm that guns at least writing it and there was a quote that he had settled with disney oh i did not see that part thank you that's legitimate yeah, marvel news so yeah that's the, hey look at that but uh yeah there was a quote that he settled with disney which i figured they might start talking a little bit after that but, I mean, it's been radio silent ever since. Why is he not back on Twitter then? Yeah. Like, I don't expect I him. I'm telling you, man, Twitter is a disease. I, I know. I mean, Twitter got him fired from his dream job. But he's always been, like, his whole shtick is how much he communicates with, I mean, okay, fine, do a Facebook Live or do a AM, you know, Reddit AMA or whatever. But, like, it is very surprising to me that he has kept radio silence. I would have thought he would have said something. The man has not made a public comment since July. Now we got to start DC News Desk. Dude. Yeah. Because we, we got to cover that Suicide Squad movie. It's going to be good. Let's let's face it. It's going to be good. Maybe. I don't know. Like, to me, this is... Okay, this was not in the news, but this is interesting to me. I, I think what we will see with Suicide Squad 2 is I think there's an opportunity here for Kevin Feige to be made to look even better because I'm suspicious that part of the reason that the DC movies suck is because Warner Brothers can't keep their freaking hands out of it like you look at Justice League and clearly they took two directors and messed around with them and messed around with their visions and mashed their movies together and just got overly involved and so I mean I don't want this but I could see James Gunn putting out a subpar Suicide Squad 2 not because he made a bad movie but because they hired some, like, company that makes video games to re-edit the film like they did with the first one, you know? like I've had the same thought, too, that this, that this really... If James Gunn puts out a bad movie, we know that it's something endemic within whatever's creating those movies. Like, within their management, within their over-control or something like that. But see, even if I'm gone, I I wouldn't even consider the DC gig if they had that oversight, like what was kind of involved with Guardians One. Because even when Gunn was still in the Disney on the Disney payroll, you know, he was still pretty vocal about the you know creative control over Guardians One. So I don't. I mean, maybe he was just looking for a job. But I mean, the the one connective tissue with most of the DC movies has been Zack Snyder to an extent. 
I mean, obviously, I think he had a producer credit on Suicide Squad. Um, I don't know. I mean, if they give him complete creative control over a a group like Suicide Squad, I mean, that's exactly. I know we we already know he's an edgy guy. If we could call him edgy, um, I mean that. I don't think there's right. another. Uh, the other bit of news that we did not get to last week that we need to talk Gunn about: uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home has had a couple of pictures come out, and um, there's. If you're really concerned about spoilers, skip ahead because I mean I don't think it's huge spoilers, but uh, we did finally see Jake Gyllenhaal uh, dressed up as Mysterio and got to see the Mysterio costume. We also got to see. Um, Samuel L. Jackson, or at least his stunt double, on a boat in Venice with Spider-Man. Uh, Adam, did you did you like the uh, the look of the Mysterio costume, or have any thoughts about uh, some Venice action in that movie? Um, kind of around the same time they did release the set photos, um, and Betty Brant could be seen holding the holding the hand of a larger tanned skin male. Um, which I would guess would be Ned. Watch quick comics fact that Betty and Ned Leeds are actually married in the comics. And then that's when Ned eventually turns into Hobgoblin. Except for this Ned is Genki, so it doesn't matter. Right, so yeah, he's not going to be flying around the skies on a pumpkin board or whatever you call it. Did, did I see rumors that we were going to maybe get Amadeus Cho? Is Did you see this? Well, you're not on Twitter. You might not have seen it. Oh yeah, I'm not on Twitter. I didn't see that, but it, it looks like J- this was the kind of the first inkling we got as to what JB Smooth's character is going to be as well, because he's also on this school trip with like the triviathon teacher, what have you, or uh, he's in like the same group. So I'm not sure if he's like someone's personal bodyguard or if he's a teacher or if he's a uh, chaperone. But Mysterio looks great. I of course, we didn't see the fishbowl, but we've got to be getting that at some point throughout the movie, right? Yeah. The only thing I'm worried about is that they might do it as, like, kind of like, uh, you know how Captain America had, like, his show uniform and you know, First Avenger, and then there was, like, the fighting uniform? I worry that we'll see, like, Mysterio, like, doing a magic show somewhere, and he'll have the helmet, but he won't have it to fight Spider-Man. I don't know. I want him to go full-on weirdo. You're saying more than just like that Luke Cage yeah, classic yeah, yeah, homage yeah. where he looks in the car window, yeah. Rhiannon, did you have any thoughts about the Mysterio costume? I know nothing about what, like, you know, Mysterio and what to expect and all of that, but when I saw it, it was way more um, comic booky than we normally see in a first look or something like that. You know, it was, it was out there. I mean, it was full-on cape, mostly... I, I, yeah, rest of that comment. Oh my gosh, guys, there's a cape. That was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I do wonder, um, some of these, co- like, Fox has gotten really smart about, like, they show us an image of Cable a day before they know there's going to be paparazzi photos of Cable running around on an outdoor set. How Marvel has not gotten smart enough to do that yet? Like... I don't think it's going to ruin it and it looks okay, but why would they not just give us a publicity shot of Mysterio? They know that that set is not going to stay... Like, they're either overconfident or they don't care, but it seems weird to me that they don't... They don't try to beat the punch on that stuff. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, even the CW does that with all the Airborne shows. I mean, we saw that with Batwoman this week. I, I guess it boils down to, like, 
difference in opinion on marketing or marketing theories or something. Yeah, but it's just odd, kind of. They even do it on the television side. I mean, Jeff Loeb, like, why they tried to keep the Daredevil, I mean, the, the bullseye thing a secret on Daredevil. Like, there were people affiliated with it that were walking around with Darede- uh, bullseye Daredevil shirts. And yet, they're still acting like this is a big announcement at Comic-Con. Like, I don't get why To be they fair, they got some pretty significant secret. wooing in that room when they did finally, you know, like we all knew it was coming and people were still real pumped by it. True. True. But we'll get to that later. Wait, Bullseye's in Daredevil season three? So coming out in about a week, Adam, they did a third season of this show. You might not remember it. Uh, they have, that's the, uh, that's the one with the guy with the glowing fist, right? Uh, no, the guy with the red glasses. Oh, the, the oh, oh with Froggy. Yeah. Okay. Froggy. <laughs> this is Adam's new recurring character. <laughs> Guy who's never heard of Daredevil. This was another bit of news that kind of fell through the cracks last week. Um, uh, that hashtag show is telling us that there has been a script uh, commissioned. That doesn't mean they're necessarily making the movie, but they're at least wanting to try out uh, some screenwriters for Dark Avengers. Uh, kind of a group that uh, is from a period in the comics. It's it's kind of like Thunderbolts. It's a group of villains that dress up like Avengers. I'm assuming this version would not necessarily be that, but would be some sort of morally ambiguous characters that make their own Avengers team. Um, Adam, do you have interest in a Dark Avengers movie? Does that sound exciting to you? Only if they cast Henry Cavill as Robert Reynolds, the Century the golden guardian of good because I think I would laugh my ass off. <laughs> I want to see century in the, in the comics. Uh, I think it would be, it'd be awesome. Uh, I mean, the who's all on the comic. I mean, Wolverine's on the comic team, right? It's like a team led by Norman Osborn, right? Uh, yeah. Norman Osborn is iron Patriot. Uh, it's got scorpion venom, Matt Gargan venom as Spider-Man, I think. Does that sound right? I don't know. I just know Sentry's in it. Uh, Bullseye's in it. Bullseye is Hawkeye in the Dark Avengers. Hashtag points of connectivity. Oh, he he did did listen. Or he got on Twitter. (laughs) Nope, I listened. No wonder. I listened because I commented that Renzi Feliz kept slapping his damn hands on the table. That's right. That's right. Sorry, Renzi, if you listen to this podcast, but that upset me greatly. Because it scared the crap out of me the first time it happened. So, Rhiannon, I mean, this idea, like a uh, a villainous Avengers team, there'd probably be some kind of comment on, like, authoritarianism and, like, the government kind of leans on the wrong people to keep the order. Does that sound like an exciting movie to you, or does that create too much brand confusion for Marvel? Um, I like team-ups. And I think we'll probably see Marvel going in all kinds of directions once they have the Fox characters. So I think something like this is inevitable. And, um, yeah, I, I have no idea what to expect with most of the movie properties, but I have faith that it could turn out okay. I'd be real interested. Could they do this with characters they already have? Like, could we see a Dark Avengers team with, like, 
uh, Vulture in an Iron Man suit and Abomination taking the Hulk role and uh, Baron Zemo maybe filling in Cap's spot. Does that make like some, some leftover villains from other MCU movies? I don't know. It'd be hard. I, I just exhausted the three that I could think of. But <laughs> I mean, technically, didn't Marvel Studios also commission a runaway script whenever ago? Uh, yeah, a very long time ago, yeah. And there was that weird Ironheart script that made it onto the blacklist yeah. or whatever. So yeah, I, I don't think this I don't think this means it's definitely happening. I just thought it was interesting to to speculate about. I talked to Michael T. Ford about it at our get together, and he has lots and lots of thoughts about how to make this work. So Who reported this? You said THS or THS. THS. Oh, so okay, yeah. It might well, happen. I mean that was very that was very <laughs> subtle shade, Adam. I like that. Well, I mean I know it was too subtle. I just need to come out and say what I feel, right? I have no doubt that whatever their source is is saying it right now. You know, that it's happening. That something's being written, whether anything happens of it or what it changes into. Yeah, I think it's possible that Kevin Feige has 50 different screenplays on his shelf of different... You know, I, I'm sure he has a power, at least one, if not four or five power pack uh, scripts that are sitting on his desk that he just never has liked them and it's never been the right time. All right, uh, we're going a little bit long in the news today, but that's okay. We don't have any reviews. Uh, this was something else that came out kind of during Comic-Con that I wanted to talk about a little more. Well, first of all, uh, this is two pieces of news put together. Um, already they're talking about a Venom sequel. Yay! And uh, they're saying that if it's a Venom sequel, it'll definitely be PG-13. Uh, which is interesting, giving the villain that uh, we're almost certain will be the villain in Venom 2. Uh, similarly, Fox is putting out a PG-13 version of Deadpool 2 at Christmas. Uh, is this a sign that the era of the R-rated superhero movie is already over? No, I don't know why you would do a PG-13. I mean, I guess with Deadpool, like, they they cut it down for cable TV anyways. Like, there's going to be a version. There's a version that they've been showing on FX. So if you're going to cut it down, why not also try to sell it and make a few bucks? As uh, a yeah, PG-13 Deadpool. I, I don't know what it is. They did release, like, the uh, promo pic with Fred Savage, though. So I think it'd be humorous if they do, like, the Princess Bride with him and they just have Ryan Reynolds, like, talk through... Deadpool 1 and 2 to an adult Fred Savage. That's his name, right? Fred Savage? Yes. I love that idea. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's part of what they're doing is the Princess Bride thing. I, I didn't catch that, and now I'm totally on board. Give me PG-13 everything Princess Bride style. But uh, Venom sequel? Ugh, gross. What's a Venom? <laughs> I'm trying not to be spoilery here. I... I if you don't want to know anything about Venom, go away. I don't. I think you guys know this. So they obviously are setting up for Carnage in Venom too. What? <gasps> Why do you do a car? A PG thirteen Carnage is just not Carnage. Like I'm not a big violence and gore guy. Like I don't love like Tarantino movies. I haven't. But like, you cannot do Cletus Cassidy and like not show any blood. It just doesn't make any sense. Also. I'm not sure how different Carnage would be than this movie because we saw in the trailers that Riot already makes like the axe hands and stuff like we expect out of I don't know. Um, 
Yeah. I just, it seems like these studios are definitely losing their nerve. It took about, it only took about 18 months and now they're like, oh yeah, let's make PG-13 because that makes us more money. I mean, but if it does get them the best of both worlds, that's what I'm saying. Like with Deadpool, like if they can sell the R-rated movie and then they can sell it again as a PG-13 movie, that's just an extra release. Maybe it's another couple hundred thousand dollars. Maybe it's another couple million dollars, but that's money. I do want to take a moment to gloat. Uh, about a year and a half ago when Logan came out, uh, we talked a little bit about people that are like, oh, dude, this is going to change the game. Like, adult-oriented, R-rated comic book movies. MCU is so behind the times, man. Like, the world is changing, and it's going to be far more, like, just adult and edgy now, and Marvel movies are going to fall by the wayside because they're too funny and... And too family friendly. Yeah, you were wrong. <laughs> I mean, already we see the studios retreating to the safety and the economic benefit of PG-13. And Logan was great, but it made a lot less money than the Marvel movies did that year. So uh, this idea that we're going to suddenly get a wave of edgy, adult, R-rated Marvel movies is ridiculous. Because already we're seeing that not happening. A uh, quick sidebar, that voice you did sounded like approximately 95% of all dudes I've ever talked to on the side of comic book store. Fun fact. Quick tidbit. <laughs> Good. I've, I've, been, I've been working on it. Uh, Alright, I have three more things that aren't really news. They're just stupid things that are going to happen now because Venom did well. Uh... First of all, I saw a news headline. That it just was too funny not to mention. The headline said, Ruben Fleischer confirms Kevin Feige had no role in Venom. Uh, duh. I've seen it. I'm pretty <laughs> sure Kevin Feige didn't have a role in Venom. Second of all, Morbius is going to start shooting in the spring of 2019. So, uh, Jared Leto Morbius, here we come. Uh, also, the Craven the Hunter screenwriter is now talking publicly about his script. He wants to include Craven's Last Hunt in it, and it might involve Spider-Man, except for I'm pretty sure it won't involve Spider-Man. Um, we're going to start seeing some of this stuff, aren't we? Let's Okay, let's dissect what Richard Wink said. So the exact quote, and I'm reading the quote with his interview with Discussing Film. It's going to adhere very closely to the lore of Craven the Hunter, and he is going to come face to face with Spider Man. So, to me, that doesn't say, ah, uh, you know, Spider Man might be in the movie. I mean, Spider Man is part of the movie because that's that's what Craven's Last Hunt is, right? I mean, he spends Spider Man spends a good bit of Craven's Last Hunt buried alive uh, in a, a cemetery somewhere but so that brings up the question i mean is sony gonna start uh auditioning people for their own spider-man i'd be happier with that than them trying to use tom holland because this tom holland spider-man is still two or three movies away from being ready for craven's last hunt i don't know man after after avengers 4 he might he might be super edgy he might dye his hair black and do that comb over thing. Start and... doing musical numbers. <laughs> yeah. Never know. Never know what trauma does to people. Especially trauma caused by a big purple alien. Rhiannon, do you want to see any of this stuff? A Craven movie? A Morbius movie? Or are you... 
I'm, I'm all about the vampires. So, you know. I don't know much about Morbius, but I know there's vampires. So, give me vampires. Brianna's personal motto is, the more shadow hunters, the better. They're vampires, right? <laughs> is shadow... I was about to say, I don't even know. Is that show about vampires? I just assumed. It sounds... I did go to the What We Do in the Shadows panel at Comic-Con. Um, and I don't particularly love those vampires. I don't. I mean, I know it's Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement and, like... I love those guys, but I don't think you I love were those super close to Taika. You could have probably said, "Hey, Taika," and he probably could have said, "Hey, what's up?" Yeah, yeah. Like I could have touched him. I could have got. I, I could have gotten an autograph from him. I just had nothing on me but Daredevil posters, and I just about decided that I would just have Taika autograph a Daredevil poster. <laughs> I bet he'd do it. And um, yeah, then his people came and like whisked him away. So. Well, the tricky thing with Morbius is he's a vampire, but he sucks people's blood with his hands. He's got little suckers on his hands. Okay. But, like, can he go out in daylight? Can he eat garlic um, bread? Maybe he, stops, maybe he stops being a vampire in the daytime? Is that how it works? I can't remember. See, that's what, that's what I enjoy about vampires, is they all have their own lore. They all have their own rules. And part of any new vampire universe is getting to know the rules of that vampire universe. And, um, yeah, so that's what, like, Morbius, if I had the initiative to pick up a comic book, I would start looking into so I could learn his lure. To be fair, all I know about him is Spider-Man the Animated Series, so. Mm, that's more than me, though. Talk about the vampire lure. 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 Like, uh, Drac in, uh, Hotel Transylvania. Uh, garlic doesn't kill him, but he does have extreme indigestion when he eats it. So it's part of his lore. Yeah, <laughs> leads well, to lots. I mean, of in that defense, they well, and that's in like being human. If they have garlic, like their fangs pop out and they can't hide them anymore. Yeah, stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I was I was just gonna say in a kids animated movie, they probably can't show a vampire pooping his guts out. I mean, it just doesn't really. Uh-oh. Unless they actually do that, and that's what you meant by indigestion. No, <clears throat> no I mean, it's it's mostly farts, but it's lots and lots of fart jokes. Our three-year-old right now, she's all about the farts and the butts. She's figuring out there's a B in her last name, and she's like, Dad, there's a butt in my name. And I'm like, what? And she goes, the, that letter it looks like a butt. And I'm like, well, you're not wrong. <laughs> well, I'm 25 and I still make those jokes. So, hey, look at that. I have the humor of a three-year-old. All right, let's talk about Daredevil. So, um, let me yeah. set the rules, make sure I don't screw this up. The embargo has lifted by the time this podcast comes out, which means we are allowed to review it in a non-spoiler way. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay, because they're coming after you and your children if <laughs> they yeah, don't exist yet. All but. of my children. <laughs> it's your house that they're going to, you know, ransack with hand ninjas if we get this wrong, Adam. So I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. I actually used a pseudonym. That's how you say it, right? A pseudonym? Yeah, yeah. Except my pseudonym is Caleb A. Borchers. So. That's no, good. That's good. I, saw I the, that one, too. I saw the screeners. Man, your name was bouncing around all over the screen. Yeah, it was. That's crap. I've watched your name bounce around for a good 20 hours now, so. 
I'm surprised you. I'm surprised you watch it, Caleb. Normally, that stuff peeves you off enough that it you does. don't even watch it. No, I, in this case, well, I'm getting. First of all, I'm developing a. Uh, I'm trying to be a professional journalist here, Adam. I'm I'm, I'm learning how to, uh, you know, deal with it. But oh, the Hulu ones are the worst. We were talking about this when we were doing our interviews. Hulu, man, they slapped their names so many places on that screen that you can hardly see the people on it. So Netflix wasn't too bad. If you don't know what we're talking about, when you get early screeners like we got, they put word marks on the screen somewhere to make sure that you don't like screen cap it and, and send it out and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, like, like on the one I was watching, it had my social, it had my parents' address, <laughs> and it had the identities of two previous girlfriends. Yeah, so that way, if I screenshotted, already, so. yeah, if I screenshotted that, they might know who it is. So this season, without getting spoilery, help the fans know, what would you say is generically kind of the plot or the way that they're going? What's what's the premise of the season kind of starting out? How do you say the plot without giving spoilers? Well, you know, like the premise. Like, when you read, are you talking I, about themes? Or? Well, I think you described the premise best, Caleb. So why don't you? You you really should have written the review at this point. My review is out there, and everybody's like, "Damn, Caleb should have done the review." Well, I was just saying it's it's about the this season is about the deconstruction of Matt Murdock. Like, we thought that Matt has been poor off and has had, you know, down on his luck before, but they really, this season is about stripping him of everything that he has as any sort of comfort in his life. And just totally, it's just, it's exactly what Rhiannon wants. It is Matt in the most miserable, pathetic, helpless state that he could possibly be in. Is that fair? Yeah. 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 I'm not here for a happy. So are you are you saying Matt Murdock is rather insufferable? No, I enjoy him suffering. It reminds me of Barry Allen on The Flash. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't know why I like it with him, and I wouldn't tolerate it with other characters. But um, yeah, there's a little bit of womp this season for the people that are into the womp. And I think it'd be fair to say this is a. This is not a direct adaptation, but it is a spiritual, spiritually akin to Born Again, right? It's it's not the same plot, but it's it's similar in that it's about stripping away a lot of Matt's stuff to getting down to the core character. Kinda, I guess. People are saying that, but I mean, it's kinda. I mean, with anyone with a secret identity would run into this problem. Uh, the, the the really awesome thing about the season is that it draws from Born Again, but it's not Born Again. It draws from the Murdoch Papers, but it's not the Murdoch Papers. It draws from Guardian Devil, but it's not Guardian Devil. Like, Eric Olison has done a fantastic job of drawing from some of the most, you know, fun or interesting plot lines or moments that are out there. But you, it's so surprising. Like, you do not know the story. You do not know the plot. You do not know what's coming. He has drawn from them and he is paying homage to them or, you know. Uh, but it's not guaranteed. Like, like there is no story. You're not getting the Born Again story. You're not getting the Murdoch Paper story. You're not getting the Guardian Devil story. It's It's new. Yeah. Or maybe you are. 
Not any, yeah, I want to spoil you by telling you you're not getting this thing. Well, that's and also we've only seen the first six episodes, so we can't tell you really where it ends. We can just tell you the first six. You know, we well, we're not going to tell you what the first six are. You know what I mean? We're, we can only whatever we say could be totally incorrect by the time we watch the final seven. So the the series opens up with Matt fighting Shao with a Drake, and how unfair is that? I seriously can't believe that hasn't leaked until now. I mean, the Shao Matt Murdock fight is amazing. Stunning, breathtaking, exhilarating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why they wouldn't give any details on this big corridor fight of Shaolau and Daredevil. Yeah, it's um, it's a giant hallway. That, Shaolau yeah, actually has yeah. a condo in Kunlun that's a dragon-sized condo, and so they just fight in the hallway of the And it's the decorated condo. to look like a cave. That, uh, that circle wasn't actually a bullseye that Charlie drew on uh, Wilson's head. It was actually a pile of dragon dumpings. Ew. I was going to say it was the brand that yeah. I will get from Shalau. Uh, I just thought of the thirst circular thing that came to mind. <laughs> and poop. And I, thought of poop. <laughs> I don't know why. Poop. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so, Wilson Fisk is back this season. Uh, that's not a surprise. We've seen that in the trailers. Uh, do you guys, does it work? Are you excited to have Kingpin back uh, in this show? Vince D'Onofrio is too good for TV. I'm saying he he should be a movie villain. He should be a Spider-Man villain or some movie villain. He's amazing. It's amazing. I I I just I can't believe we went to see Well, I mean, I guess he did show up in season 2, but I can't believe that they I, I this is just who Matt Murdock is supposed to go against. This Matt Murdock and this this Wilson Fisk and uh, they're they're so good together. They're so good against each other. They get in each other's heads so well. I love it. Was uh, D'Onofrio at yeah. New York? He's not that big a dude, is he? Not um, really. I didn't get. He wasn't at the thing where I was like really close in person. He's 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 bigger than Matt is. That's or uh, Charlie Cox is. That's for sure. Yeah, but they still make him seem bigger somehow on TV. They do some major stuff with camera angles and Wilson Fisk. And in this season, even more, the camera angles do amazing things. And we'll talk more about that next week with uh, with Brewster. As far as Fisk, he was there and he talked a little bit about how he made the voice. The thing that shocked me is uh, when he came on stage, I felt like his voice was a little bit higher than I expected. I didn't realize that he really goes low to make that kingpin voice compared to his normal voice. And he had this whole story. It was kind of cool. He was uh, aware enough to say, hey, this is stupid method actor garbage that you're going to make fun of me for. But if you want to know, I'll tell you how I made the voice. And he talked about like going to like a, not repressed, but like going to like a, a a memory deep back in his life that he felt like made him feel something akin to the kingpin emotionally and then to just make like a deep utterance from his soul based on like experiencing that moment again and then that's what he built the voice around it was very interesting to hear him talk about and like i said like he was aware enough to know that it sounded like bizarre actor studio garbage but it was also i thought kind of cool to hear like how he came up with that voice so i missed all that while i was live tweeting so, thanks for remembering. 
She missed that when she was dead. She was waiting to be resuscitated. <laughs> so dead. Yeah, I was probably missed that because I was <laughs> typing just so dead. We don't. We need him to be around for this show. Like when I rewatched season two, I was shocked at how the one episode with Fisk was so much better than the rest of the season. Like Vincent D'Onofrio, for me, he's the best part of this show. Like I love Charlie Cox, but Kingpin is what to me makes the show, and that's why this season's so exciting. So, though I mean, they might be creating somebody that could envy him. Or compete with him in that role of... Yes, so that's exact. That's perfect segue. That's exactly where I was going to go. We talked last week. It's been officially announced now that Bullseye is in this season. Uh, you guys have seen him. I mean, I don't think we want to spoil anything plot-wise, but is this Bullseye the Bullseye that you had hoped that we would get? Yeah, no. I guess, I'm not sure what I expected, necessarily. Um... But with Bullseye, you have this deeply um, troubled character. You know, you have this character that has no... um, I mean, he's a dude in his most recent miniseries. He was sitting in a skyscraper just throwing paper clips and killing people on the street because he was bored. You know, he was in that kind of state of mind. So you're talking about Um, in the comics, just to make sure we're clear. I'm talking about in the comics, yes. And that's not what we get in live action. It's a much more humanized version. But the, the way they set it up makes perfect sense. Um, can we say it's an origin? Yeah. They said they said in the panel that this, is, this season is about how Agent Poindexter becomes Bullseye. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you see it happen. And I think the way they set it up it is brilliant. There's... Uh, one scene in particular that I kept saying, holy crap, and a bunch more expletives, kind of the hotel type thing, if you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, it's so far so good with it, man. I mean, it's uh, killer work. Um, the fight that was in the official trailer between... Uh, Oh, probably can't say that, can we? Because they don't know it's we talked to, him in the red suit. We talked about it last week. Um, well, first of all, in the trailer, you see Wilson Bethel say, I am Daredevil. And Well, yeah, but you see his eyes covered. So, yeah, I wasn't sure. Yeah. Also, we said well, last week, because it's true, at the at the convention, uh, they showed us they showed us the uh, Daredevil bullseye fight. So, uh, That's so it's good. I, I mean... It's, it's, it's better good. on a big screen, too. I loved it so much more the second time when we saw it there at the convention than when... Like, the way people were... I said this last week. People were just like... <gasps> like, there was so much, like, gasping and, like, like no way. Like, just people screaming at the screen. It was it was incredible. Hey, um, Adam, um, it was so much better seeing it on this big, ginormous screen. You couldn't watch it on... <laughs> Because you had prior commitments with your family. Oh, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's cool. I mean, it looked fine on my computer screen, so whatever. You know? So back to Bullseye. What was really weird is your name was still wordmarked on it. Like, it was just like <laughs> I know, right? Adam like, Barnhart, like, really big on the screen. That was bizarre. Jeff's like, what's what's this name? Who's this guy? What? I don't Whatever. So uh, back to Bullseye. If anything, if there's any week, any portion of the series that we have seen, 
if there are any weaknesses for me, it is just sort of how, uh, how they loop in bullseye. Like it, I, I didn't love it. I thought some of it was just sort of, uh, forced a little bit. Um, I mean, everything this season moves so quick. You go from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. <laughs> Besides the first episode. The first episode <laughs> is amazing, and yeah, Adam can awful. shut it's up horrible. now. I hate it. It's <laughs> the worst episode on Netflix. I hated it so much. We'll, we'll get to it. It's <laughs> in my notes. I've watched the first episode like a solid six, seven times now, and... There's a reason they didn't show it at Comic Con. That's yeah, true. That's yeah. true. There's a reason, but um, but the bullseye creation story to me is one of the weakest links in the portion that we've seen. I, I can say now, when we did, if you go back and listen to our Iron Fist review, I mentioned that um, I talked about Typhoid Mary and how they're trying to be very respectful and not stigmatize and do like the wrong thing with mental illness with typhoid Mary. And so they kind of grounded it in what somebody actually who deals with those problems deals with. And they tried her not to look like, uh, you know, they they didn't want to stigmatize mental illness. And that I think as I said at the time, I think that's probably good for society, but I feel like maybe it weakens the character a little bit. There's times I felt that with bullseye too. Like, they try to make Bullseye understandable and legitimate, and they try not to just, like, describe him as a totally crazy person. And, and that's not even the right terminology, but just, like, really extreme sort of um, uh, stereotypical, you know, lunatic, laughing, crazy joker kind of thing. Um, and for me, that's, like, I get it, and I appreciate why you do it, but one of these days, I kind of, and maybe we'll get there by the end of the season, I do want to see a bullseye that's just totally, just like, totally unhinged, willing to kill people at the, the drop of a hat for no good reason. Like, I don't want to really understand them. I just want to be terrified by them as being like a primordial force of evil, you know, and I, I we haven't got there yet with this this version of bullseye well i mean and i think some of that should be saved for next week's discussion i think like you're verging on too deep for a review episode here but uh i'd like to talk about it more when we can talk specifics yeah yeah absolutely i like it even the first episode so let's talk about that real quick so pacing people always complain that netflix shows are too slow Adam, is this show too slow? Uh, outside of the first episode, no. I mean, episodes two through six were perfectly fine. Uh, I don't know what it was. Both of you loved that first episode, but I, I, I don't. I've watched it a couple times. I, I don't like it. It's, it's slow. It's, it's full of this gross stuff called dialogue. Uh, there's, there's just not. I thought you were going to say that differently, so that, that, that's good. <laughs> there's just I don't. Not much happens. So, uh, but the thing is, I, in that first episode, watching it, because like I did not rewatch it for a couple of months, however long we've had this until recently. Um, 
they are catching you up. That first episode, because what I've been worried about, I've been worried because I have met people that say they are fans of Daredevil, but they haven't watched Defenders. Like, they just never did. Like, they love Daredevil, but they don't even realize he's in Defenders. And they do a good job in the first episode of... Those of you that watch Defenders, here's exactly what you're wanting to see next. Those of you that didn't, hey, let's go back and we'll catch you up a little bit here. Those of you that, you know, sort of forgot who Daredevil is because it's been two and a half years since he's had a season. Here's a way for him to go through why his powers work, how his powers work, you know. They give you a lot of this first episode stuff that you would expect almost on a network show. But you're getting it worked in pretty darn well with this season. So I think they did a great job with that first episode of answering a lot of questions that were asked, both in Daredevil and Defenders. And I think they do a great job of moving it forward pretty quickly, given the circumstances. I mean, dude had a building fall on his head. Yeah, okay, that's that's a debate. That's that's a talk for next week, as you said. But, I mean, that's the thing. If Defenders was actually good, we probably wouldn't have needed this much of a first episode. And I, I'm trying not to get super, super... I mean, like you said earlier, Rhiannon, you like to see Matt in pain and in grief. And for those people who like to see Matt suffering through an existential crisis, you know, number episode one's for you. If you like to see Matt um, super depressed and edgy and being just a, a sad boy, you know, episode one's for you. Yeah, I mean... I think our listeners know at this point, if you didn't listen to my uh, AP Marvel that I did about Daredevil, um, I love the theology aspect, like the Catholicism of Daredevil and him like uh, dealing with his faith. That is done as well as it's ever been done in this episode. Like, just kudos to the writers. They did it really well. And for me, just for my own personal tastes and interests and stuff, I find the first episode to be the most emotionally impactful episode that I've watched of any of these Netflix shows. Like, I don't tend to get emotional about stuff, but I get emotional watching the first episode of this season. It's just, it's incredible. But if you like Daredevil kicking people's butts, there's not a whole lot of butt kicking going on in season one. For, again, I mean... It's for obvious reasons. I mean, we all know that he ended last season supposedly dead, and he's got to kind of get undead, so. Well, and, I mean, but here's the thing. You have one episode of this. I mean, and and that's where, I mean, I don't know. At some point, we could just cut this and talk about it next week. But there's one episode of Daredevil not out there punching people in the face for the most part. So that the season can move on. You know, there there's another world, there's a Scott Buck version of this where you have six episodes of <laughs> Matt Murdock trying to figure out, you know, I don't know, trying to get up and on the streets. Like, like no offense, Scott, I'm sure you're a really nice dude, but I've seen the two shows that actually, of yours that actually got produced. Um, and I have no desire whatsoever to see the d- discarded. 
I was just thinking this is this is a podcast episode waiting to happen when we have an off week where there's nothing to talk about. Let's pitch the Scott Buck versions of all the different Marvel oh, properties. Gross. <laughs> Scott Buck Gosh, version of Runaways. Just about it. A bunch of kids playing video games. It's just like a YouTube channel where you watch the the Runaway kids play video games. Yeah, it's all they're all streamers and stuff. I do want to say um are, are we going to talk like higher level about like all all screener episodes we've seen all six episodes or I mean are we thinking are, are we going to discuss our thoughts on what we've seen as a whole cuz I do want to make a bold statement and I want to see if you guys agree with it I'm not known for bold stuff right chili not really chili ooh my chili's good I need to make you two my chili just saying it's technically an award-winning chili i I was going to say you you will make bold statements about misty night and iron fist to people (laughs) who get very angry at you yeah but that's the only part like i miss of twitter just pissing off those people uh with the exception of episode one of course i will say unless something catastrophic happens in episode seven through 13 daredevil three is probably the best show on netflix Agree or disagree? Agree. On all of Netflix? Not Netflix Marvel oh, okay. shows. Yeah, I'm I'm there. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I love that first season of Daredevil, but I think this is going to be better. Between, I mean, D'Onofrio is so good. I mean, Bullseye exceeded expectations. And, I mean, obviously, unless they kill him in episode seven, a la Cottonmouth, um... I, it's. I mean, I was enthralled. I mean, episodes two through six, um, Poindexter's introductions, nearly perfect. Uh, it, it's. I mean, two through six, it felt like it took an hour to watch four hours worth of episodes. It's just so good. It's the writing spot on, and I, I kept trying to think of, um, flaws and nitpicky stuff. But I mean, I love it. I love it so much. I guess what I'm trying to say is it's better than Iron Fist, all right? That's that's all I'm trying to get at here. Rian, and you're in the same boat, I think? Yeah, yeah. It's better than Iron Fist Season 1 and Season 2. Um, no, I, I, I think it's wonderful. I, I, I really, I, I was doubtful. I said this in my review, you know, like it's the third showrunner in three seasons. We've been hurt. Oh my god, this is amazing. The show is amazing. Yeah, it's it's very good. Um All right, just seeing if I have anything. Um we did talk a little bit about this, the action sequences. I mean, we don't want to talk about what they are, but I think they're fabulous. I mean, I I I just um Yeah, what we've seen, it's my favorite action in the Netflix season seasons too. So, and that says a lot based on the standard that you know season one had. And they haven't even promoted a stunt choreographer. Or well, they did. What's they did going send on? Chris Brewster to Comic Con, but it was for some did different they? panel or something. I don't know. He didn't call me. Um, damn it, Chris. Chris. Um. And that's well. That's the thing at Comic Con. They showed two amazing fight scenes in their to- totality, and they didn't go anywhere near the big fight scene. 
Like, that's what, you know, they gave that much to everybody, but didn't even start to spoil the big fight. I know. I wanted the to... The one that almost gave me a heart attack? Like, I'm pretty sure I had a heart attack during it. Like, I couldn't breathe. That was just and the was chili, like, man. panicking. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, this is it. This is how I go. I, I, oh no. Yeah, yeah. But we'll yeah I wanted... At, at Comic-Con, when they were... People were reacting to the two action scenes they showed us. I wanted to look around and be like, you guys don't even... This is, this is not even the best. That's like, the, this is like yeah. second pickings that you guys are seeing right now, so... But let's move on before we spoil something. <laughs> I think we're being really good. I think we've yeah. we've been appropriate here. I mean, the fight we're talking about was Murdoch and Shia Lao. That's the one I was. <laughs> oh yeah, about. that's right. I'm not. <laughs> I'm, not I'm not sure Shia what Lau's you two are talking down. about. Shia yes. Lao. For those that haven't seen it, um, Red Ringside Seats, who hung out with us at Comic Con too, uh, posted pictures. There was somebody cosplaying as Shao Lao at Comic Con. And she was cosplaying as Iron Fist, so she was able to get pictures fighting Shao Lao. So, those exist on the internet. Caleb, could you maybe edit out the laughing around this fight? I just want to get a sigh like <laughs> to pick it up and run with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm trying to do. I probably will bleep the name of that website, though, just because it'll make it funnier. <laughs> Fine. Um... The other thing I was going to say, uh, there are new characters. We've talked about Bullseye. Um, anything else that's been added this season uh, of the new characters that you really love? Agent. Uh, Agent. Yeah. I was going to. Uh, I can't say it. That's a spoiler. Yeah. But Nadim. Wait, no, that was Punisher, wasn't it? JLE is Agent Nadim. The new, the new FBI character in this season. Who was uh, Reva and Punisher? I thought she was Agent Nadim. I don't know. No? I didn't study for Punisher for this podcast. Oh, I don't even watch these shows, guys. But Jay Lee, like I was, I was ambivalent <laughs> on his character, like. And going in, I sort of had thoughts of his character, but now after watching him at Comic-Con and, like, seeing him in interviews and stuff, like, I am all on the JLE boat. His character, I, I have hope, is going to go a lot of places the rest of the season. And, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I have thoughts and, and... I'm hoping he's more than just a throwaway FBI character in all of this. Uh, the actress who plays Sister Maggie, I forgot to look this up. She's perfect. I mean, Sister Maggie is exactly what she should be. Like, her balance between being, like, affectionate and loving and caring, but also not putting up, putting up with exactly zero crap from Matt. Their interactions on this show are so good. And so uh, I love watching, you know, her and Charlie Cox on the screen together. It's it's very fun. Yeah, she plays a really good grouchy old nun. Yes, back before season one of Daredevil came out, I wrote some Sister Maggie fanfic, and I might just update it for the series. Uh, can you send me a link to that? I yeah. want to see all of your fanfiction, <laughs> quite honestly. Even the kinky stuff. I'll, I'll go down I that rabbit hole. I don't like the hole. kinky stuff. Oh, um. oh, give me a break. 
Yeah, turn your camera around to the uh, <laughs> yeah, to the no south kidding. facing wall. I mean, come on, Wait, let's be oh, real. Oh, the south facing wall. Are we there? That one. Yes, that one. The naked picture oh. of Matt Murdock on the wall. <laughs> that's what I'm talking under. about. I'm so sorry. Just spread eagle. <laughs> that's original. That's original. Believe that's artwork. Original right? belief. Yeah, that's the one in ESPN magazine. And was that the same artwork that Vincent D'Onofrio got sent to his trailer? That's who he got, or was that yeah, a, was different a different artist? artist. That wasn't Malief. Just for our podcast listeners, it is PG thirteen. It's not. It's not exactly Daredevil erotica. It is the ESPN Daredevil sketch that Alex Malief did for ESPN magazine. Oh, there you go. The body issue. Yeah. It's it's That's the correct. original sketch. So the good bits are creatively covered. <laughs> By Rihanna's the, face. Um, oh, the joke was that this year at Comic Con, I was going to go and ask Malia to do the bottom half of the sketch, but that's oh yeah, <laughs> just just like a Batman comic. Yes. Um, all right, <laughs> that dude. I regret not buying that because that sells for eighty bucks now. It sold for eighty bucks two weeks ago. It hasn't changed. I don't know. We haven't talked in a month. I keep forgetting that. <laughs> I think we're done. I don't have any more Daredevil questions. Is there anything else we can say before we uh, we close out without spoiling and breaking the rules? Um, no, no. I, I can't wait to see everybody's reaction, to talk to everybody about it. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and do the mailbag. Uh, just a couple of comments this week, going back to our gifted episode. Uh, love Waffle does not love the gifted. He had lots of thoughts on why he doesn't think it's great. Uh, Dave and Love Waffle also had an extensive conversation about uh, Black Widow and how it should mimic GoldenEye from the James Bond franchise. So, again, if you want some great content, go or content, go over there to the uh, comment section. Those guys are doing a good job. Um, 084 sent us a tweet this week, and I didn't totally understand it, but it was something about Spider-Man, Venom, and how Sony is basically shooting a baby in the face. I'm not sure exactly what that means, but... Uh, he didn't like Venom, I take it. Uh, lots of love from uh, New York Comic Con uh, tweets. We had lots of retweets and uh, comments and stuff, so thanks everybody who pays attention. Uh, also, uh, big props to at Noah Clippers 2. Uh, he's a big fan. I've never seen anyone who's a bigger fan of Los Angeles sports or Marvel News Desk. So he was uh, very concerned when our episode was a little bit late last week. And so, Noah Clippers 2 glad that we could get it out to you man just so everybody knows uh we try to get the podcast out sometime sunday my general rule is i make sure it's there for your monday morning commute sometimes that's sunday morning sometimes it's sunday evening so uh don't worry don't send the uh don't send the search party for me until it's monday morning and you haven't seen it so <laughs> thanks for listening to the podcast you can interact with us a lot of ways uh you can send us messages on twitter at marvel news desk or communicate with us via the marvelnewsdesk.com post each week. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to send us some money over at patreon.com slash marvelnewsdesk. When you do that, you get access to our special MCU film ranking episode, as well as other things like early access to some of our videos. Uh, now that I think about it, uh, Rhiannon's um, Daredevil uh, review should be up very soon. That will not have early access because of the embargo, but nonetheless, uh, you'll get to see it. Uh, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash marvelnewsdesk or subscribe to our YouTube channel that's watch.marvelnewsdesk.com 
Uh, you can help the show be more visible if you want to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. But the number one most important thing you do, however, every week is you listen and you tell your friends, and we're really appreciative. Thank you for supporting the show. I want to thank Tim Cox for our logo. You can find him on Instagram at Tim V. Cox. And also thanks to Alvin for our theme music. You can find his music on a variety of social media platforms at The Skull School. Um, next week, I think we'll talk about Venom. And if we don't, it'll become our running joke, like on Jimmy Kimmel, where every night he says, we didn't have time for Matt Damon, but maybe tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> we could just maybe have time for Venom, but next time. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. <laughs>